This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is C.R. Rice, and our amazing guest is Joe Filipponi. Woo! Woo! There's a whole track that gets added to that. It makes it even more. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking. I am super excited about this because today I get to announce our sponsor, which is Skunk Brothers Spirits. So Skunk Brothers Spirits is out of Washington State. They're, um, it's actually named after their dad. It is a veteran-owned distillery. And I guess their grandfather used to uh, be, a, you know, had make moonshine in the non-legal way. And now they're making it in a legal way. So it's super exciting. If you guys check them out at skunkbrotherspirits.com, there will be a coupon code. I'm hoping it's DWA, but check the notes on the podcast before you do. And today I decided to try their blueberry cinnamon cordial. So I'm going to pour that over ice like a boss and their sponsor. And so I could get really drunk. This is, yeah. Anyway, so it's it's a sipping one. CR, what are you drinking today? I am not having anything festive. I am actually trying to be healthy. So I did green tea and vodka this time. I love that you pretend to be healthy by putting stuff in the vodka and then calling it healthy. It makes me really happy that you do that. So I try. I'm I try. healthy. I put a strawberry in my vodka drink. <laughs> Hashtag healthy. Okay. What are you drinking, Joe? I'm going with my favorite. I've got Jack and wild cherry Pepsi. So I'm. Oh, that's like- exciting. Yeah, I like Pepsi more than Coke. I'll do, I mean, I like both, but I, I don't know. I've just always been more of a Pepsi boy. Uh, so I was like, let's just do that. So. I love you it. It sounds love it. really good though, Erica. By the way, this I, is. I want to try that. This is fucking amazing. This blueberry cinnamon is amazing. Amazing. Skunk Brothers Spirits. Just look them up. Anyway, it's amazing. Okay. I want to try the, the vodka and green tea one that CR is doing. It's I, fantastic. I think that'd be really cool. And that feels like, because I'm in um, LA, I'm in Los Angeles, and that feels like something that LA people would drink and like make a bit, like I could see like the Housewives of Beverly Hills like drinking it and then all of a sudden it becomes like a big thing or like all the little gays and we host start doing it and like it takes off like i could totally see that yeah <laughs> okay and then so when it does tea- take off you got to remember this moment exactly and then i'm gonna take credit for it exactly you will except <laughs> for the green tea they'll manage to use in it is some like 45 dollar bottle of green tea to because yeah anyway to make it bougie <laughs> as fuck that's what you're gonna have to do uh Okay, Joe, let's yes. talk for a minute. What do you write for the fans out there? So I mostly write erotica. That's kind of how I um, got whatever name that I may have in the author world. That's kind of what I'm known for. Um, erotica, erotic romance. Although my first novel that I put out was a young adult novel. And um, I always wanted to just write 
young adult and children's books and uh, horror novels because I love Stephen King. I love Anne Rice, V.C. Andrews, all of them. Um, but I also love sex. I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> so I mean, it's like, fuck it, right? Cheers. Um, Cheers. But uh, I've, I've always been... I've always been very pro um, sex, pro porn. I have a lot of friends that are in porn. I have a lot of friends that are, um, you know, escorts that have been strippers, um, all of that stuff. And I've always loved the classic erotic novels. I'm, I, I love, you know, like the story of O, Emmanuel, the stuff from the Marquis de Sade. Um, there's oh, wow. this, that, that always just seemed like such a fun era to live in. I, I wish that I could have lived back then, you know, in France at a little cafe getting paid to, to write sex stories. So, um, a lot of my friends suggested that I should write erotica because I also wrote plays and, and stuff like that. And they said, you know, your stuff has like a lot of erotic undertones and you're really good at writing like sexual tension and 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 you know all that kind of stuff and you just have a very sexy way with words and and descriptions and all that stuff so a friend of mine she was like you should write erotica and i didn't even think that erotica was still a thing when she suggested it because it wasn't like this was before the whole like you know, Fifty Shades of Grey and all that stuff came out. Like when I started writing, probably the the only one that was really a big known author was Zane. And she was just writing um, urban erotica for the African-American community. And I knew Zane's work. I was a huge fan of, of hers. And I... But other than that, I was like, erotica is just like stupid fan fiction online written by losers that live in their parents' basement. I don't want to do that. Um, Although we love then, everyone who writes fan fiction, disclaimer, yeah. you're a fan of DWA. You can be in your parents' base room, basement. I just make sure you have some green tea and vodka. I only say that because I do not okay. write fan fiction. I <laughs> only say that because I am a hater. I have tried to write fan fiction and mine is awful. So I just say that because I'm jealous of people that can actually write fan fiction. Um, so one night I was at home, it was midnight, and just for the hell of it to prove my friend wrong that there was no market for erotica, I typed in on Google erotica resources for writers. And the, of course, my luck, the first thing that comes up was this website called the Erotica Readers and Writers Association. And I clicked it and it had, you know, books uh, that were published that were current, that were being published. It had publishers of erotica and it had calls for submissions. And I was like, well, fuck me. Now what am I supposed to do? So I was like, <laughs> okay. I will prove that I cannot write erotica. I will pick a uh, call for a short story for an anthology. I will write something. I will not get accepted. They will write back. Don't ever write in this genre again. You have no fucking clue what you're doing. Because I was still a virgin at the time, too. So, oh. I, I, <laughs> yeah. So I wrote um, this stupid little short story and I sent it in and then I forgot about it. 
And a couple months later, I got uh, an email, you know, we've accepted your short story, you know, here's your payment, here's when it's coming out. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So it came out and people liked it. And I was like, well, this was kind of fun. And the, the um, theme of the anthology was fun. So I'm like, well, let me see if I can write another one. So I would just find these, you know, calls for shorts on this website and these anthology themes that sounded interesting to me and I would just write it and I started writing more and more and more and I ended up publishing over 60 short stories got published in various anthologies and then people kind of started liking my stuff and I would get these emails from these readers and they'd be like, oh, you know, I read your short story and this such anthology and then I went to the library to try and find your book, but I couldn't find the book. Where is the book? How can I get the book? And I was like, there is no fucking book. I can't write. <laughs> a, I, I was like, I can't write like a full length book. I can't do this. And um, then one of my publishers at the time, because I was publishing with different publishers and stuff, um, they, they, they were like, you should write a book. You should write, you know, this the uh, 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 full-length erotic book. And I was like, I can't. I don't have an idea for that. So I put that aside and I wrote my young adult book. And I got that published. And But the, the erotica publishers and the erotica fans were still clamoring for um, this book. And, and one of my publishers um gave me an idea for one she came to la for uh one of the erotica conventions and she sent me a message on facebook and she said you know i've known you you know through facebook and through your writing for a long time i want to meet you face to face and she was like come down to this hotel in downtown la this is where we're all staying and i want to you know i'll buy you dinner we can talk we can have drinks you know all of that so um I, I went and I met with her um, and we sat down and she was like, yeah, she's like, I want you to write a full length book. She's like, and I have this idea. She's like, I want to do a gay version of the story of O and I want to call it the story of Joe. She's like, but I can't find anyone to write it. Like people, it, it's not good. The, the authors that I've asked and that have written stuff, it's just, it's not good. It's not good. And I was like, well, I do like the story of O. I've read it. I've seen the movie. You know, that's one of my favorite classic eroticas, um, as I mentioned before. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And she was like, great. She's like, you know, because we've published so many of your short stories. She's like, I feel like I kind of discovered you. She's like, so I kind of want my company to have the first book that's out. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. It's not going to make <laughs> it. Um, no biggie. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wrote... I wrote that book and it people liked it and I was like, well, okay, maybe I could do erotic novels. And it was kind of at that time too, I was like, I kind of didn't want to write short stories anymore because I kind of felt like I had gone as far as I could with them. And I was kind of getting to the point where a lot of... Um, the ideas that I was having for these short stories, I was like, well, this is really a novel. Like, there's so much I want to get in. It's not working as a short story. Um, so I think I just kind of needed that push to be like, yeah, you can actually do that. You can. Because I think like a lot of um, 
creative people, we kind of get in our heads and we're like, oh, well, what if I'm not as good as this person? Or no, I couldn't do this. Or we get like comfortable where it's like, well, I'm good in, in this space that I'm in, or I'm good just kind of doing this. Why do I want to take a chance? I think that's just everyone, unfortunately, you know, we've just kind of been programmed and conditioned to, to do that. Um, but once my uh, young adult novel came out, that came out a few months before the erotic novels. Um, Did you do these under the same name? I'm just no, curious. No, they're all different names because I write in so many different genres and I wrote in so many different erotic genres that I, I had all these different names for whatever genre that I had. Um, but when the young adult novel came out, my publisher for that actually submitted it to... Um, the Kappa Awards and it got nominated for a Kappa Award for Best Young Adult Novel. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Like it's good enough, you know, I'm a good enough writer to get nominated. So that kind of also gave me um, the confidence that I needed because I was very young. Um, I'm 35 now. And when I published my first short story, I think I had just turned like 18 or 19. And then the my novel came out I want to say I was around like 24, 25. So I was still like really unsure of myself and having like all those like young people doubts about, you know, oh, can I really do this, you know, or whatever. Um, so that to have all of that stuff happen, like so young, um, it really kind of helped get that confidence up to be able to do that. Um, and now I've got uh, you know, I've since then I've published like seven novels um, and I'm going to be re-releasing a few of them because unfortunately, like they were indie publishers. So, you know, publishers went out of business and stuff. So some of my stuff isn't available anymore, but I want to re-release it and be like, hey, look how much I've grown as a writer because I, I read that stuff now and I'm like, Jesus Christ, why did anyone think that this was good like it's, i'm so much better now and i'm, I'm it, well that's gonna be the so case it's like i i say this all the time running writing is like running like when you start running for the first time you're like i'm gonna run or jog or jogging if you're ron burgundy um and you start like you almost die the for either that or you like totally kill yourself the first time and can't move like two days later right but after yeah. you do it more and more, you're just going to get better at it. I've never met a writer who hasn't gotten better. Now, degree of better is up for grabs, but they've gotten better because you just hone your craft. You also, you know, going through a lot of editing, you go, here are things I need to look for as I'm writing and starting to type words. Like, at least for me, when I start doing something that the editor has been like, hey, stop fucking doing that then it's in my head so when i start to do it i'm like Ugh. and i have a little cheat sheet of things that i go you know control f and go through my whole document to look for stuff and go how many times did i say this how many times did a character wink or whatever you know or or you know how many times did they do duck face somebody told me that was their thing the other day like everybody's <laughs> you know making kissy faces and i'm like you but you get better and you get more seasoned and i think you know regardless you know ann rice said it best 
rest her soul. I'm sorry we lost. 2021 is an was an asshole, Betty White. Read. Seriously, Anne Rice. But Anne Rice said something about Interview with a Vampire was when she wrote that book, like she looked back on it and was like, whoa. But it was the best book she could have written at that time. Exactly. She didn't redo Interview with a Vampire as the movies came out. And now there's a TV show in the works and people are going to read the book and get the audio book. And I actually, when she passed, bought the audio book again. because so I was like, I want to read, you know, and I'm, I'm listening to it and I'm like, Oh, I remember why I like other parts of the like the comic books and stuff. Because there's some stuff in there that's just like a little too much. And then, but she, you know, her later stuff was much, much better. So I think that's just a thing. Sorry for the tangent. I've had a little blueberry cinnamon cordial. So no, do it. I do the same thing. Like I, I, I mean, I should have said this before we start. We started recording. Like I fucking talk a lot. And I go off on tangents because of the way my brain works. Like something will remind me of something else. So if I start to get long, long-winded, just be like, "Hey, fool, shut the fuck up!" Like, <laughs> no. What you should do is after this, go back and listen to a couple that me and Erica have done together. Because we will talk about, we'll start on one, and then we're twenty-five minutes in, and we're like, "Wait a second, what was the question? What, what did we just that ask you?" So like, it's time. natural. Yes. Well, yeah. that's, what we that's why we do this podcast the way we do it, because we're like, let's have some drinks. Who gives a fuck what we talk about? I don't care. Is this talking with friends? But also the the way that what you were uh, just saying, Erica, um, I think it's also too, as authors and creative people, we have more life experiences now that we can draw off. Like I said, when I first started writing erotica, I was still a virgin. I had I hadn't fucked yet. And now it's like, I don't even want to say my body count now. Like, sorry, mom, don't listen to this part. Um, mom, you we know, need some earmuffs for this portion of the broadcast. Exactly. It's like, you know, I've had like all of those experiences now and not just like sexual. Like, yes, like I've been to sex parties and I've been like the, the person that's been brought into the couple and I've, you know, been the other man with, you know, affairs that people have had. And I've been like the person that my straight friends want to experiment with. And I've been the one that my lesbian friends want to experiment with. And I've done like all of that. I've been married, I've been divorced. I buried my fucking ex-husband right before the lockdown happened, you know, within in uh, 2020. I've had great relationships, gotten my heart broken. I've traveled more, I've met more people you know, all of that shit, like, had some really shitty things happen, you know, been abused by people um, in power in this industry, you know, that I can draw off of and, and seen people get abused by by people in, in the industry here in LA, because I'm also an actor, too. I'm an actor and a director. So I can a, a lot of my stuff focuses on people in Hollywood or or you know actors acting you know all of that shit right what you know um well you know you you say that and what i think is the most interesting about that is unless you're you've never looked at porn or never looked at you know sex you you can look at these things and get an idea of how it works right the 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 logistical part of penetration or whatever the hell you're doing right um i write erotica as well so i just go, but the thing that you don't get unless you experience, and I'm very sorry for your loss, by the way, um, 
But the things that you don't get is the feelings, the emotion, the weird thought process that occurs that can make or break a character. Because it's, you know, just sex for the sake of sex is what it is. But it, it the actual feelings, the emotion, the weirdnesses, the trepidation, the moment you feel like, fuck it, I don't care, I'm just going to be me. The moment you're naked in front of somebody. Like, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, some people are great with being naked in front of people, right? I haven't been one of those people. I don't give a fuck. Like, I did theater. No, you're naked in front of <laughs> no. people all the fucking time, running, getting clothes back on and stuff. So you don't care. But, you know, the first time you're naked in front of somebody, you're sitting there going, oh, my God, is this person judging me? And the first time, every time you're in front of somebody, you can still have that sort of thing, depending on who you are, right? And people don't think about that necessarily. But also, if you're to the point where you're about to have fucking sex, nobody gives a shit for the most part. When you look Not if you did it, right? Moment. Nobody <laughs> cares. But you don't know that until you've been through the experiences that you're talking about, right? And I think that's exactly. very cool. You know, that's, I think, the part that gets added to the story is not just the experiences, but those feelings, those emotions, and then the reactions from the other humans that are involved with what you are going through. You know, yeah. you can't write the affair very well, for instance, unless you've done something like that, right? You can't imagine what it's like. What is the other person doing? Anyway, there's a lot we could go down, go a path. Okay, so <laughs> you started writing because you wanted to prove everybody wrong. I like that as the start of the story. You wanted well, to prove no, he wanted to prove that it. he Yes. Yeah. Look and at you doing talk. that the opposite. I love that. That's the first part. I started writing to prove to everybody I fucking couldn't write. So fuck you. Like, right. And that's so, like, that's, that's the story of like a lot of stuff that ends up happening. Like even getting into directing everyone for the longest time, even fucking psychics here in, in California would stop me on the street and be like, I need to give you a free reading or, oh, you're going to be a director. People are going to know your names. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm a fucking actor. I'm not going to direct. So I started directing to prove everybody wrong. And then people like my fucking stuff. And I found out I was good at directing and I kind of like it. And actors feel comfortable working with me. And I'm like, well, goddamn. <laughs> so what else do you not want right. to do? Just out of curiosity, because I think we should make a list of the things you don't think you're good at. So you can go try them, be brilliant <laughs> at them, and then we can all hate you for it. I like that. I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about, um, so you wrote Erotica. What is your young adult novel about? So the young adult novel that I wrote, it was called Real Boys Kiss Boys. And it was um, just a gay romance novel. Um, you know, two guys in high school that, you know, one of them comes out and, and um, they fall in love. He falls in love with like the new kid at school. Like my main character was like, you know, geeky little guy who was shy, didn't have a lot of friends. And then the new guy in school was like, you know, cool, good looking, looks like a model. And, you know, he liked my main character. My main character liked him. And, and there was, you know, that instant connection. Um, and I made the cool guy, uh, the cool guy was like HIV positive in that. So I wanted to deal with that. Um, and I, I, cause a lot of, you know, my friends, uh, a lot of my friends are HIV positive. 
Um, so I wanted to have that representation of like, you know, just because you're positive, that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, fall in love. And that doesn't mean that you can't have a great relationship and fall in love with someone who's negative. And I think, unfortunately, um, just going off of what a lot of my friends who are positive have said, like, that's something that they still, um, have struggles with dating now in, you know, 2022, 2021, when they were telling me about this, like, they'll be on the dating sites. And, uh, you know, when someone finds out that they're positive, even if they're undetectable, like the negative person will still be like, no, I don't want to date you like that's too scary for me. I don't want to catch it. Or it's like they have problems, you know, if they are about to hook up with someone and they disclose, you know, their their status of like, you know, I'm positive or I'm positive, undetectable, and the person is, is negative, they'll say, no, 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 I don't want to hook up with you anymore. And I have a lot of friends that are negative that go off of that too. Like the idea of dating someone who's positive scares them, you know, and it's like, as long as you're responsible, and the person is taking care of themselves, you know, and on their medication or whatever, like, you'll be fine. So I wanted to to show that to do whatever little I could to end the stigma. Um, I think and I've always been... that it's an education. That's the biggest yeah. thing. It's and we see that now there's a movie on Netflix called Don't Look Up. I don't know if you've seen it yet. But it, it's on it, my list. It is I will just tell you, for me, there was so much funny parts, but so many cringes because it's legitimately a representation of what's going on in society right now. Just completely mm -hmm. like. Well, then I'll just it, walk outside. I won't sit for an hour and a half and watch a movie. Yeah, but well, and I'll tell you, the, the movie's fantastic. The whole premise is there's a, an asteroid coming to Earth and it's going to destroy it. And they have the science to prove that this is what the deal is. And then they take it to the government and that that's all I'm going to say about it because I don't want to give it away. But what's interesting <laughs> is that when it comes down to even with what we're going through um, in what's going on right now with COVID and stuff like that, we, and it's not this the same, but we have this very much, you know, a, a friend of mine said it like, instead of listening to scientists or researchers or people who are actually educated on a topic, we're going to go on the internet and listen to our Facebook scientists to tell us what's actually happening. And it's so bizarre. And I kind of look at it and go, would you truly want to be with somebody who wasn't willing to educate themselves on a topic anyway? Because it's not just that. Well, there there's also, go there's also people just in general who don't care. Like there is a higher mass of people that don't care about educating themselves and choose to go to, to the internet or to listen to their friend because they saw something on TV because they, there are a lot of people that watch TV and think it's real. Like they think everything that you see on house or anything like that is real. And I remember going to school and, you know, going to health class and the teacher's basically telling you, if you know somebody who has HIV, they're dead. Like you're going to get it like through contact through whatever. So like, if you don't grow up and decide to research yourself into those things, then you only have the mentality of what you learned in school or what you heard from people. Nowadays, we know like it's the same thing, kind of not the same thing, but like you said with COVID, like people are saying, oh, it's a government conspiracy. Okay, cool. But if you look at the science of it, it's, it's the flu. 
And then you have the people going, no, 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 no. It's like the, you know, you just, nobody is actually looking at the science of it all. So if you're like my generation when in school, if you heard somebody had HIV, like anybody in a 50 mile radius was at risk, you know, but if you don't educate yourself and you don't do those things, then I can, I understand the fear. I don't think it's right, but I understand the fear. And it's really sad that society doesn't want to continue to educate themselves. I can and say I this because I'm keep old going. enough of this generation to go, I was there when AIDS started happening because I'm 48 <laughs> years old. So I was born in 1973, 1984, 11 years old, uh, was a punk. But literally, when you had to dye your hair with weird shit, because there wasn't hair dye the color like panic, panic. And <laughs> I remember when AIDS started being talked about a lot. I grew up in Hollywood, California. I remember when AIDS started to be talked about. And it was like toilet seats. Like there was mm-hmm. all of this false stuff about how and what AIDS was. Right. And there's a ton of movies and documentaries that we realistically talk about this situation. But at the time, it was very similar. The panic like was crazy. And now you get yourself educated about this and how it works and what, how you, how you can get it, how you can't get it, how you can prevent it. I love that you did that though. I absolutely That's love really that you cool did that because it is about whether it's about making a, a uh, an emotional response for somebody just to have some, um, you know, take away from fantasy from their everyday life, just because life can be hard, which erotica books and stuff like that do, or making a social impact. That's what being an author is about. It's about making a change for somebody. I think that's fantastic. I like you did that at that age, also, too. One of the reasons why I want to do it is, like, I've always been very big with, HIV research and and the advocacy like I've been a part of groups that have you know tried to do more research for it I've done like the AIDS walk and and all of that um because my cousin Donnie died of AIDS in the 90s so I was born in 86 and you know my family is Italian and Catholic so the fact that there are so many and i'm bisexual i'm openly bisexual like i always say like i don't care what's between your legs it's all about chemistry if we're vibing we're fucking like if we're into each other like <laughs> i just so, love the eloquent way that you speak it just speaks to my soul <laughs> <laughs> so um you, you know you can imagine this you know my family that that has had especially in the 80s and the 90s there was a lot of um, my cousins that were gay and openly gay and and that got married in the 90s to their partners and stuff but um my cousin donnie had had aids and and he died from it but i remember as a kid even though i was very very young you know i was born in 86 so i was when donnie died i was probably maybe like five six seven years old when when he was at the last years of his life um but i still remember you know my um aunt marie and my uncle shorty they would always say that donnie wasn't at functions because he was sick or he had the flu or he wasn't feeling good like they never said it and i wasn't allowed to be in the same room with him 
um the last years of his life and he was he was at home they kept him at home because again like the shame they didn't want him in the hospital like with the other aids patients so they kept him in a room and you know i'd go over there with my mother and father to to visit my aunt uncle um but i was never allowed to be in this in the the same room with donnie because they weren't sure still how it was passed on and so i remember like you know, when my father would go in the room to see him, you know, he put on the gloves and the mask and, you know, all of that. And I remember, you know, his doctors, Donnie's doctors would tell my um, Aunt Marie and my Uncle Shorty to give him Pedialyte because they thought that, okay, you give Pedialyte to these little kids to build up their immune systems, and now you've got these men where their immune systems are down. Maybe there's something in the Pedialyte that will build up their immune system. So they were always giving him uh, Pedialyte and, and all of that. But I remember when he died, you know, my family made sure that nothing in the obituary was mentioned about AIDS, HIV, um, they had to fight to even have like a you know a funeral in the church and and to get him buried you know with the family in the in the catholic cemetery um so i just kind of i i, I think i've just kind of always been a big advocate for the research and the knowledge because of that because it was so close to home you know and i i even though i was so young like i saw how it devastated not only my aunt uncle but my whole family and i was like you know i i remember like just being a kid and not really understanding it not even really understanding like why is there like this shame why you know why is he always so sick like why you know my family's been very interesting for me um as as a actor and, and a writer because we've had so many things you know i my uncle johnny committed suicide and in you know catholic italians for someone to commit suicide i mean that's a big fucking no-no so i remember when that happened um but it was just all the stuff that i can draw on like for my writing for my acting for all of that wow wow no i think it's amazing we have to take a quick break we will be right back i hate on that subject but we will be right back with drinking with authors our sponsor today on drinking with authors is skunk brothers spirits Skunk Brother Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrotherspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. Okay, we're back. So 
Um, you are a busy, busy human being. So, uh, you do writing, you've written plays and screenplays, and you do yeah. acting and you do directing. Okay, so we covered erotica, we covered young adult. Young adult. Yes. Now let's go to horror. So talk a little bit because that's my my other genre. I write two genres. Cool. I write humorous erotica and I write horror. So I write horror and horror. Straddle both. So um, let's talk about horror. My uh, third novel was a horror novel. It was called In the Tarot. And again, that publisher closed down. Um, they were so cool. I love that publisher. I loved. I've I've loved all my publishers um that have taken a chance on me um so i love um stuff that has to do with the occult and and witchcraft and tarot and and voodoo and and all of that um i guess i technically can be classified as a witch because i have a witch name and i've done like the uh wiccan uh festivals with some of my friends and i've done like you know money spells and all that and i've participated with some of my friends that do you know voodoo and santeria and sex magic and blood magic like i've been a part of all of that i have such an interesting eclectic group of friends like i'm so so fucking lucky like thank you to my parents that raised me not to be judgmental and and to just like everyone unless they're you know truly evil um, we can throw some of the best ceremonies i'm just gonna say in the yeah, great scheme yeah. of religious ceremonies wiccans usually involves wine i'm a big fan of wiccans and druids oh, yeah. i'm a fan of both of them let's yeah. let's summon some earth spells and shit with some wine and some robes maybe you know i love that shit yeah no i'm so into that so um i i wanted to combine that with i also love like the carnivals and amusement parks and sideshow stuff so i kind of wanted to combine that um so the horror novel was about these three friends who are at this carnival and they go to a fortune teller and and she tells their you know fortune and and all that with the tarot cards um and i had this stuff where it's like one of the like characters from the tarot cards would like come to life and and oh. and fuck with the the kids um one of the best reviews that i got from that book was a friend of mine who read it because i had um i guess technically it would be a forced seduction or rape scene between a female skeleton and one of the guys like she was like writing him and and all that stuff and my friend who read it he was like yeah, he's like that rape scene between Jesse and the skeleton. Like, man, that kind of fucked me up because I've never read anything like that in in any kind of horror novel, and it was just so like fucked up. Joe, you're so awesome. Like, that was so cool, man. Like, I could totally see this like fucking chick skeleton like fucking this dude and like riding him. I was like, thank you. Um, <laughs> so I, I just tried. Thought, yeah. Um, and and I've also published uh some short horror stories in anthologies um i have like a couple vampire short stories that i've done some zombie stuff um i did some christmas short horror stories like i had santa claus be like a zombie um and all that because i love horror 
I've always loved horror novels. I've always loved horror movies, um, scary TV shows, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Tales from the Crypt, Ghost Stories, uh, that Rip Torn um, hosted back in the day, you know, the Friday 13th films, even the old classics, you know, The Wolfman, Dracula, Bride of Frankenstein, Freaks, you know, all that shit. Um, Halloween's always been my favorite holiday. I was supposed to be born on Halloween, but came a week early. So I guess it's just like kind of in my blood to to do that. But I, you know, I've always loved um, in terms of authors, you know, Stephen King. I was reading like Stephen King when I was in middle school, and and was always reading his stuff. I and and wanting to be a horror a horror writer, I always want to be like the next Stephen King. I always wanted to write stuff like him. Uh, the Goosebumps stuff and the Fear Street stuff with. R.L. Stein. I think I read everything that man wrote when I was in elementary school and, and middle school. Like I never missed one of his his books. Um, just I've always loved to be scared. You know, Anne Rice with the the interview with the vampire and and um, the the mummy uh, novel that she put out, and even her erotica. You know, I think a lot of people forget that she wrote the Beauty Chronicles. And there's so I love those books. Yeah. A lot of people were like, wow. Because I will say it was a whole level. And then right after she published those, she went very religious, which I thought yeah. was interesting. And I like her religious stuff too. Um, I know a lot of people were like, oh, you know, and I I know a lot of people, you know, have their problems or whatever with religion but even when all is said and done even you know with me saying like you know yes i'm a witch i practice spells and stuff at the end of the day like i'm still catholic and i still consider myself catholic even though i haven't been to a church in like goddamn like 10 years you know i and i know like i would fucking walk into the door the lightning would probably come down on my head you know um but and and you know a lot of people are shocked to find that out like i i pray I, you know, I've read the whole Bible cover to cover. Um, I find it interesting. I find religion interesting. Um, I am about to start reading um, the diary of Sister Faustina uh, just the other day since it was the solemnity of Mary. Like I was posting all of that on my social media, like, you know, pray for us and, and all of that. Like I still have, you know, I fucking fight with God. Like we've gotten, I yell at him. We've gotten into arguments over shit. So <laughs> <laughs> I fight with God. That is actually the name of a great, that sounds like the name of a great book. I'm no, just right? saying I fight with God. That'll be the, the title of the lifetime TV movie they make starring Della Reese's Joe Filipponi. That's always my big joke. I've said that for years. I always said if they ever did that, like I wanted her to play me and then the bitch had to up and die and fucking ruin my joke. Well, she's still playing. You write about zombies. Just saying exactly. it's, it's potentially a thing. Exactly. Zombie Della Reese. Just <laughs> <laughs> throw that out there. She could play you. <laughs> I think it's a, I think that's a, a fucking awesome thing. Okay. So you um, do all of these things. When you actually started writing, what was it like, besides friends, obviously, mm -hmm. how much fan interaction have you had? Um, when I was really on my writing and, like, putting out new short stories, like, almost monthly, and, and you know, new novels every, every few months, 
Um, cause like I said, I think we had talked about in, in the break when we weren't recording, I haven't written in a long time because I've been so busy with acting. And then when I think I have time to go back and finish all of these, you know, ideas and manuscripts and really have the time to do it, I'll get like an acting job or something that takes me away from it. Um, but I had a lot of people who would friend me on Facebook, follow me, you know, on, on whatever, because they read my stuff or they'd email me, um, with, with you know, just praise that they liked my stuff. Um, I mean, it wasn't huge. Like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not, like, well-known in any of the industries that well, I Well, like, I would you just say you are a celebrity. It's just the rise to fame. I say that to every <laughs> author. The moment you publish something, you're a celebrity. It's I like that. You, it's true. I mean, doing acting, whatever, you you you, you may not be you know, whatever, Tom Cruise or something, well, not that anybody should want to be Tom Cruise, but, yeah. um, you know, you, that level, but you definitely are a celebrity. You have fans. Did Thank you have you. any um, weird interactions? Did anybody, did you go to any events as an author? I have never been to any events. I'd like to one day. I think it'd be fun because I... For me, like, I will talk to anybody. Um, like, when I have people email me or message me on social media, like, I'll talk to them. I'll, you know, ask them, like, how they're doing or whatever. You know, and even after the initial thing that, you know, when they write to me, like, if I'm on my messenger on Facebook and I see that they're on or whatever, like, I'll message them and be like, hey, how are you? How have you, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while. What's What's new or whatever? Um, but even some of the fans that I've had that have wanted to be writers, um, or even my fans with like acting and stuff, like if they ask me for advice, like I'll give them, you know, advice, like I'll, I'll read their shit and, and give them notes and feedback. And I don't mean shit like it's bad. Like I just say shit for everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but I've had well, people I'm sure do that. Some of it is shit and some of it's good. That's the way it works. Yeah. But it's like, I'll, I'll try and like, even if it is like actual shit and all and awful, I'll try to like steer them in the right direction. But going back to your question about like weird uh, fan interactions, I mean, I've gotten death threats from people. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, been That's told a that first. I'm Okay. Like, I was, I've I was just thinking like, like, out of all of these, I don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've been told that I'm gonna like burn in hell for the stuff I write, the stuff that I've acted in, the people I know. Uh, I was told once that I'm responsible for all the evil in the world, and it's because of me that we have stuff like AIDS and cancer and school shootings and sure. rape and all of that. So I'm sorry, everyone, for that. I was just having a really bad day when I released that stuff into the world. I was going to say, that's really impressive. I mean, that talk about celebrity. I mean, if right. you have that much power, you're you're more of a celebrity than Tom right. Cruise is. I just... I have been, like, cyber-stalked by people that, like... I've, I've had the obsessive fans where they've read some of, like, the romance or the erotica, and they'll be like, I know that you are, like, writing about me and writing about us, and I know, like, we're meant to be together, and I love you you and and i think you're so amazing and i want to marry you and and you know i'd move out to california to be with you blah 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 um 
That's when you I go, oh, been... I just moved to Illinois. Yeah, yeah. So that's been kind of scary. Uh, sometimes when that happens, I've had to block people that get very obsessive like that. You know, I've had people when I've been in relationships, you know, they've been like, oh, you don't really love this girl or this guy. Like, you're supposed to be with me. Like, I've had people threaten like past girlfriends and boyfriends. Um, that's why, thank God, like the the guy that I'm with now, he's not on social media at all. And I've posted like a couple photos of us on on social media, but I haven't said his name. Um, I've only said to some very close friends like what he does and and all of that. But I've that's kind of one of the reasons why I've kind of kept my you know, current relationship kind of like secret and not secret, but I just don't, I, I'm also not like one to like really post about relationships on social media that much because most of the people I know that always do that where it's like every other goddamn post is them, you know, with their boyfriend or girlfriend. They're like, oh, my heart, my this, my that, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, you guys aren't really fucking happy. You know, like you're putting this on. If you've always got to say this, like, <laughs> well, I think it's interesting is that, you know, I remember MySpace and the start kind of of these kind of things, right? Because MySpace was before Facebook, yeah. which was supposed to be a platform to find unknown music artists. Yeah. Uh, MySpace, right? Um, I think, you know, it's interesting for social media because people ask me as authors, there's a degree of social media you need to be doing as the celebrity of the author to get your work out, to interact with fans, do all that stuff. People who post too much personal information on social media is ridiculous to me. Like I use it, I, I use it as a cheap and easy way to tell my family maybe some piece of news that I don't give a shit that people hear, where I don't have to send them all texts or something like that. Like, here's the thing. This is all like, I don't post all this stuff on because I just, I look at what people do and how much they do it. And especially you're seeing all of these um, crimes against people who are influencers and stuff that are sharing everything. And, and you turn just your go, location off. Do not share yeah. your location every time you take a picture. Like, I, yeah. I will only check in to a place after I've left. Like I oh, no, I never... mean, like you when when you can post a picture if you don't have your settings right, it'll tell you it'll yeah. share exactly where you took that picture. Like yeah. that's not safe. Yeah. Why is that even necessary? Yeah, but it's like if I go to like a movie or I go to a concert or go out to eat, like sometimes I'll post that like two or three days later, and then I'll check in of like, yeah, I was here like five days ago or do that. I'll <laughs> never do that while I'm there. And if I'm with a group of friends and they like do a, you know, a selfie and then they're going to post, like, I'll say like, don't tag me until tomorrow. Like, don't say that I'm here now. Cause I've had friends that are actual influencers and like actual, like well-known people that, you know, they'll do something, they'll check in at like a concert or they'll check in at the mall. And then all of a sudden, like, everyone's there like their fans are there and 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 people you know people watch and people i mean you never know yeah well some of those people not to your regular do that 
to have everybody show up and ogle over them in the location. You know, oh, yeah. you ever- I, 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 I had a friend who used to do that. He would call restaurants that he was gonna the the if he was gonna be at a restaurant or or someplace he'd call the paparazzi and say he was there and be like oh yeah i'm gonna yeah he wouldn't ever say i'm but he'd be like oh yeah so and so is gonna be here at this time blah 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 so the paparazzi would be there when he would when he would arrive yeah now do you ever see the movie soap dish yes it's been a while but yes okay there one of my favorite scenes is sally fields the actress of soap dish she goes to the mall with whoopi goldberg who's her friend and then right in the middle of the mall gets whoopi to yell oh my god it's blah just so she can sign autographs to feel better about herself for a couple hours yeah that's a good friend right there it's a good friend but it's it's can be dangerous because you never know who's out there looking at things okay so I see like a ton of books behind you. You have them all facing the other direction. I'm sure that's for a reason. But are you, you talk about reading. Are you still an avid reader, even though you have all this stuff going on? Oh, yeah. I, that's one of the reasons why I I love the lockdown and why I'm sorry, people like hoping for another one that goes longer. Because that's all I did was I read. I got through like all my books and like, yeah, I've got so many books around, like people come into my room and they're like, oh my God, it's like being um, um, in a bookstore. It's like, you know, being in a library. Um, Cause I love to read. I love to read anything and everything again, because I like to be educated. I like to learn things. Um, even if I hear something, you know, I don't know, it could be about West Nile virus. And if I don't know anything about that, I'll like Google it. I'll go onto Wikipedia and be like, well, let me find out about this. You know, even like um, with Omicron, I was like, well, I don't know anything about this new variant. Let me see what it is. Cause I want to be educated. I'll even see like news articles about shit that, you know, my friends post about not even just the pandemic, but about anything and I'll like, google that and try to read everything that i can on there um and i i like to get both sides of the story like i'm always very interested in like you know what other people think about things that's why even watch i'm probably gonna lose like half my fan base and like most of your listeners are gonna click off after this i have friends that are very like heavy conservative republicans that voted for trump and that fucking love him oh and no I, I think we all have I think everybody does and yeah. i am still friends with them and will have conversations about their political views because i'm interested in that i want to know what makes them click and i think that's why they're friends with me because they want to know what makes me click um so i will read stuff from fox news or I will read stuff from very, very conservative publications and very, very liberal publications. Um, I like to think that I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm a member of the Peace and Freedom Party. Um, And there's some stuff that I believe in where I lean more conservatively. There's stuff I believe in where I lean more, you know, liberally and and stuff like that. Well, and I think that's, what is healthy out there i mean 
uh, you know, I moved to North Carolina, but I go back and forth between Florida all the time. And like, I had a news article yesterday that said it has the highest number of cases of COVID that it's ever had. It had 76,000 cases in one day. You know what I mean? But I can tell you being up here in North Carolina and in other states, and I have friends that are in California and friends that are in New York and other places like the lack of communication, even within our country is not good. Right. And how things like I had friends that were in Boston and New York that came down to Florida and were like, what the fuck is happening here? Because in Florida, COVID isn't happening. Right. Like I was say that, but I, yeah, yeah, it's not happening. Yeah. It's, you know, it's this pretended thing. It's that I think it's like, look, scientifically speaking, you've either had it been exposed or currently carrying it. There's nothing you can do about it. So Florida's like, let's do this. Let's live our lives. If this is, I live in Florida. That's why I'm saying it's like, I'm here right now. Oh, okay. So like, it's, it's, yeah. So it's one of those where like, I went to the store today and we have all the snowboard snowbirds down right now. So like you have all, all of the older people there that are yelling at the younger people for not wearing masks while they're not wearing masks. So I'm just like, dude, like, it's just, it's Florida just is like the, it has to be like, I know New Hampshire is that live free or die, but like it's Florida because Florida will just balls to the walls. You live your life. No, it's true. But it's interesting because when you look at being polarized on a topic, right, you're not listening. And I think the biggest problem is, and you brought up religion earlier. I don't think um, religion is a problem until you're trying to enforce your religion on somebody else or telling them they're wrong for having whatever belief or lack of belief system that they have. I just actually had this conversation with a family member of mine who asked me questions around mine. And I was like, you know, I'm going to answer these. But the fact is, is if you start judging me for what I'm answering here, it's a problem because this is me. You're asking me a question, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. but I think, I don't know. Anyway, we can get spun on that topic epically. Let's talk. So you're, you've been reading in lockdown. Um, let's talk about when you are um, writing, like, what is your process like when you actually sit down with all your books that are facing the wrong direction? How, <laughs> what is your writing process like? That's the last time I'm going to mention it. No, I mean, it's bad because it's like when you come into the room, they're fine. You know, so this is the door to my room. So they, they come in so people can 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 see it. I'm like behind the, the bookshelf. I'm I'm in the master bedroom of my apartment. That's I've got two roommates, um, you know, whatever. You um, live in L.A. That's a thing. Welcome yeah. to big cities. Yeah. Um, my process when I'm writing. This is so hard because I don't. I don't like outline. I've tried that, but I always deviate from the outline because I kind of like to have my characters speak to me. Um, but I just kind of think of the world that they live in. And I, I really try to think of the main character and just try to put myself in their shoes and know everything I can about my main character, even if it doesn't come into the book. Like, I will know you know, their favorite color, what they like to eat, how exactly they like their coffee, you know, what toilet paper they use, all of that. And when I know that precisely and I can get that precise with them and 
I know exactly what day it is in the world that I'm creating, then I'll sit down and write. And it's that interesting was, you say that because that's an acting thing. Yeah. That's an acting thing. Yeah. Like people don't really, uh, most actors, you know, I did, I did acting earlier in my life. It's been a while, but cool. you know, one of the acting teachers that I worked with was, was talking about like when you walk on stage, of course, we're wherever the fuck we are in the break room, whatever makeup, uh, you know, having somebody fucking tie in, you know, a corset on you or something. And you walk out on stage. Well, that's where you were, but he was always like, you have to think about where you are, why you were there what your emotional state, what happened right before you're walking into the scene, go into long acting class here. But it's interesting you said it like that because that reminds me a lot of how you create the character of act in your acting because unless your character is written on a book or something like that, uh, out of a book or something like that, most of the time you don't get all this yeah. salacious backstory. You have to create it. And the interesting thing is when I'm writing, like I see my story and my work in my head like a movie so i'm just writing what i'm seeing i don't know if that's the same with other authors i haven't had this conversation with them but i'm basically like i'm like okay what do i see and as this fucking movie is going through in my mind i'm writing it down um so i don't know maybe that's a sign of early schizophrenia or like craziness but that's just how I, how i am um, I think a lot of pantsers are like that. Just from two people who are on this with you that are pantsers. Yeah. You know, um, that is, that's how I see it. Like it plays before me. Like I know where my story's beginning and where it's ending. I don't know everything necessarily in between, but that's how I write. I don't write an outline. I write some bullet yeah. points, things I want to cover in it. Right. But then I it always plays know out like a how movie. it's going to end. I always know the ending to everything I write. And that's always a certain, I don't always know how it's gonna start, but I always know how it's gonna end. And so then it's just getting there. And I, I don't know if this is just the actor in me too, but a lot of times I'll act out stuff or I'll say the dialogue out loud just to make sure that it sounds right and that it sounds real. Yeah, no, I did the same thing. I, I actually do that intentionally so that I have the conversation that I'm writing because otherwise conversations can sound really dumb. Yeah. When I'm reading them, because I go, nobody talks like that. Who the hell yeah. would say it like that? Yeah. And it's so funny when I say that I don't outline some of my like other author friends, they're like, oh my God, how can you not outline? How can you not have it all planned out, you know, from this point A to point A, you know, point B and all of this. And, and I'll see my friend's outlines and they're so like beautiful. And I'm like, I wish I could do that. But you know, the funny thing as an actor, I don't make choices. And when I said this to a group of my of, of actor friends the other day on Zoom, so many of them were like, oh, what? Uh, 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 like their mouths were because I will never like say like when i'm i'm learning my lines or rehearsing be like i want to say this line like happy or sad or blah 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 what i do because my training is just being in the moment and going off your instincts i'll just learn my lines but the first time that i say my lines out loud is when i'm on set with the other actors and i never make choices because i never want to get stuck and that same thing. So I want I, I I've always wondered if as a writer, 
I do that same thing of like never wanting to get stuck of like, oh, well, in chapter three, they've got to do this because I've written it down like this. You know, what if in chapter two, my character makes a fucking choice that surprises me and then chapter three has to be fucking rewritten? You know, then what am I going to do? Have writer's block because the fucking character fucked it all up? So do you, yeah. when you start writing, do you start at chapter one and go to the end? Yeah. There's, there's some the only one Chelsea, you are literally the only human I know that does what you do. Okay, you're literally the only one. So there, there, there are, are sometimes there are sometimes where I'll write down like dialogue or a scene where I'm like, okay, this isn't gonna happen. I'll put this in later. But it's very rarely where that later ever comes in. Like if I start writing out of order, I won't use that stuff because I've written something earlier that'll fuck it up. But I know other writers that do that, that write out of order and and all of that, but I can't do it. I have to go from beginning to end. I'm the beginning to end kind of person. I Chelsea, it's admirable what you do. I've told you that. Yeah. Like I've seen Chelsea's process, which just causes my OCD to go into fucking <laughs> somersaults. But um yeah, no, it's I'm I'm linear on it. Not that I won't go back and add stuff like if I think of something really brilliant near the yeah. middle or the end and I'm like, okay, go back and like add that in. I'll absolutely do that. So but how do you do that though? Starting from beginning to end. So I understand knowing the end. Like so you said you always know how your book ends. I always know like I think a lot of authors do. Like you for the most part you may not know the exact details, but you know how you want it to end. So as you're writing from chapter one, what do you do when you have an idea of something that's going to happen in the future? Do you not have that? Do you just like write down and go straight through and the ideas come as you write? Or do you not have those moments where like you're writing like, oh, they're walking through the park and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have them blow up this house. Like, but it has nothing to do with what you're doing right then. So how exactly do you, what exactly is that process? This is going to sound like I'm not answering the question, but I never start writing until I know how it's going to start. So right. sometimes, like, I'll know how it's going to end, but I may not know how it's going to start for, like, maybe a couple of days. So I won't even write until that beginning is like, oh, okay, now I know what sets this off now I know how how they get to this ending. Um, does that make sense? I, did, did I kind of answer? No, it does. It's just, it's so, I kind it's, of just, start it's, from, it's fascinating I, I, I kinda, the different ways you see people writing, like their process, yeah. and then trying to figure out how exactly they do it. It's fascinating because mine's completely messed up. So like the fact that like Erica, she does the same thing. She starts at like, you know, chapter one and she goes right through and I, I've tried it and I can't do it. So the fact that so many people do that, it's mind blowing. And it seems like the much easier way to do it. So I always try to figure out how you guys do it. A lot of times I'll be like, how do I get them to this ending? I'll be like, okay, I know, you know, um, I'm, I'll, I'll just take it from something that I'm working on now. Like it's, it's like, okay, I know at the end, my main character is going to like, commit suicide and do an overdose of pills because she's the only person left in the world and she's been exposed to every single fucking disease that we had and there's no one else around and she wants to commit suicide to to 
be with her love who was murdered. I'll be like, okay, I know that. I know that's how it's going to end. What got her to this point? And then it's like, I'll just be like, I'll see different scenes from this book in my head. I'll be like, oh, okay, she did this and she was fucking chased. Okay, okay, and, and then she, okay, and then she had to murder this guy because he tried to like fucking mug her. Okay, okay, I got that. Oh, okay, okay. She saw her boyfriend get murdered because he was this race and he was murdered by bigots. Okay, I got that. Okay. Oh, okay. She's a fucking actress who did all these action movies. So you actually work from the end arts. back. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes I'll know an idea and I'll get it and I'll be like, okay, this is how it fucking starts. Like this person came out of the water because they they drove their car in into it and they they passed out at the wheel and they just woke up underwater and they had to swim to it okay i know that's how it's gonna start let's see where it fucking goes okay type 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 you know it just kind of depends for me it's like story to story sometimes i know the ending there's been some stories that i've written some ideas i've had where i've known the middle and i don't know how the fuck they got to the middle and i don't know where they're going after that but i'm like okay i see this scene this this is why sometimes I hate being me. Like, I'll get an idea, I'll see a photo, I'll I'll hear someone say something that will spark an idea, and then it's just like, okay, how do I get to that line, that picture, that idea, whatever the fuck it is. So a lot of times- every art, every artist, no matter what you do art-wise, I think everybody kind of has a little bit of that. So a lot of times it's just forcing myself to fucking have a beginning and just knowing that I can go back and change it. Be like, okay, in this world, I'm fucking God. Like, Well, I think the important part is to remember what is the story you're trying to tell. And sometimes there's connective tissue. That's my biggest thing is like, I can think of major things, but it's the connective tissue of how you get through there and how much of it do I need to include for the reader to understand what's happening because when I started writing short stories, I left some of the connective tissue out Yeah. because I was like, okay, I'm keeping this short. But then I realized, okay. And that's how I ended up in bigger and bigger books. But I'm one of those authors and that can actually write short stories. Cause I know a lot of authors that can't fucking write a short story to save their fucking life. It's like, like if doing you go, a short film. Yeah. Like, hi, you have 2,500 words. Like a lot of people are like, no fucking way. I can't tell a story in 2,500 words, but you have to remember that a book is a series of, even if it's over one incident and you can write a book about an hour in time, right? But there's a lot of things that have to happen in that hour of time, right? There was the TV show 24 that was going over 24 hours, right? But so you're writing about a certain period. Well, how much connective tissue do you have between that versus a short story where you're taking this little tiny sliver out and you don't have to tell everybody where everybody came from and what their fucking hair color is and all that stuff, unless somehow it's important to the story. And then you don't have to tell them where the hell it goes. You're literally going, here's this one scene. You don't have to resolve anything, but people, I'm, I know a ton of people. I've, I've had so many author friends that are told to write a 5,000 word story and they turn in a 15 or 20,000 word story. And I'm like, okay, now that we're going to cut this to shit, what story were you trying to tell? Because this is about to be butchered. It has to. I think short stories are so much harder 
Yeah. Then doing the longer ones. I have word count issues like by, by going over anyway. So like to do like Erica in the 5,000, I'd be screwed. I'd be like, here's my 20 chapter book. Condense it friends. Cause there's just, there's a talent to being able to do something like that. And the people that do those anthologies, I like to read them. I think they're a lot of fun because you do get so much information that mm-hmm. you forget about the fact that you don't know the small details. So you get to use your imagination more and they don't matter. But then you get to the end of it and you're like, are you kidding me? Like, that's it? Yeah. What the hell? So then I have a lot of times I read the anthologies that I want a full book. Like you were saying with the people that do with yours, I want the full book. Like, I feel like you just gave me a synopsis of it. I could never do it. That's a serious talent. Well, it's true. It's true. And sometimes it works for the disadvantage of those of us that can write short stories that are like, and I'm done. That's all I need to tell on this story. And yeah. moving on. <laughs> okay. So Joe, that we're at the end. What advice would you give writers out there or artists? I'm going to actually ask you artists because you span okay. many different things. I would say do the stuff that speaks to you and do the stuff that you like to see and that you enjoy consuming as someone who enjoys reading, you know, painting, watching movies, any of that shit. Cause if you try to do something just because it's popular or just because you see this like TikTok person or this Twitter person did it and they got, you know, a million followers and all this money and this brand deal. And if you try to emulate that or recreate that, it's not going to work for you because it's not speaking from your soul and it's not speaking from your heart. So that's why I think I found the biggest, you know, success and fame from the erotica and from the sex stuff, because I'm very passionate about that shit. And I want to make it less taboo and show that maybe people that are in polyamorous relationships or taboo relationships or that do kink, you know, all the stuff I write about are not evil. They're not dirty. They're not, you know, all this negative stuff that's put onto it. That's why as a director, the stuff that I have the greatest success directing is extreme horror and underground stuff and stuff that's really fucked up because that's the kind of horror movies i like to watch i like watching extreme horror i like watching exploitation horror i like watching the asian horror that's like fucked beyond you know belief so that's why i create that as an actor the stuff that i have the most joy doing um is the darker characters because i like watching movies and watching actors that go into that darkness because i think that's really interesting and fascinating so do what you like you'll find the audience you'll find the success you may not make a lot of money but you'll probably make enough to be working at your art and i think that's a fucking success very cool okay where do people find your books my friend um all over so i've written in different uh pen names and all of that so if you go onto amazon and you just um type out my name joe filipponi uh you'll find a lot of my stuff um you might 
be able to find some of my short stories if you do my pen names Garland or Garland Sheffield, C-H-E-F-I-E-L-D, or my pen name Tom of Finland, because if you can't tell from the poster, I'm a big Tom of Finland fan, so I feminized it, T-H-O-M-M-A-F-I-N-L-A-N-D. Um, I've got an erotic novel published um, called The 13 Acts. Uh, I use the name Desire Tyler under that. So if you just type in 13 Acts Desire Tyler on Google, you'll find that. I've also got, surprisingly enough, this is one of my most popular series, my incest series. I wrote that because, again, I wanted to prove people wrong that it wouldn't sell and that I couldn't do it. And now I get people writing me suggestions of the type of incest they want to see me write about. Um, but if you type in uh, Fetisha, F-E-T-I-S-H-A, Lot's Cave, L-O-T apostrophe S-C-A-V-E, you'll find my author page from Lot's Cave and you'll be able to per, uh, get the so far three books that are in this series. I'm hoping to come back when I have the time to write more of the series because it was kind of fun. To, to write them. Very cool. No, totally. Hey, uh, there's an audience out there. Yeah. There is something exciting about taboo things. And I think that's why Erotica took off the way it did because for so long it was like in, for lack of better words, like in the closet, like people did it, oh, yeah. they didn't actually say anything. And then when it came out, everybody was like, all right, we're cool with this now. So then people are just getting a little crazy. Yeah. I had so many of my friends who had to to write under pen names because they would have been fired from their jobs if they would have found out or they had to keep it a secret uh, from their families. I wrote under pen names because I wrote under so many different genres. I never wanted someone who wouldn't be into something that I was writing to find it and then get like mad or offended or whatever. Like I never wrote under a pen name because I was trying to keep it a secret. I'm so fucking open. Even like you know, whatever, everybody knows about this. I've worked in porn, in non-sex, non-nudity roles. I've never fucked on camera. I've never been, uh, you know, actual fucking. I've done simulated stuff in my, like, mainstream and stuff. But again, I have friends that are porn directors, and when they would do the features, they'd be like, Joe, you're an actor. Why don't you do this role that doesn't require any nudity or sex? I think it'd be fun. I'd be like, okay, sure. You know, get paid, like you know, some money for, for a day's work and, and get to work with my friends and, and all of that fucking fun. That's a big fucking joke. I've only taken my clothes off in mainstream stuff and I've only done simulated sex scenes in mainstream stuff. Fucking porn. I've always been fully clothed. It's <laughs> awesome. Okay, guys, we got to wrap up the show. This has been drinking with authors. Um, again, I've drunk quite a bit of this bottle. That is not the label. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I was just looking at how much I was doing. Look, that's the label. Blueberry Cinnamon Cordial uh, from uh, Skunk Brothers Spirits. You can find them under Skunk Brothers Spirits or they're a new sponsor. Okay, so I've been your host, Erica Lance. Uh, this is my first one doing the sponsor thing, so I'm trying to remember where the fuck I'm supposed to throw it in because they're amazing, but um, definitely check it out. My co-host today has been C.R. Rice and our amazing guest that is so much fun. It's been Joe Filippone, and guys, we will see you next time.